Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who always turn the other cheek when cleaning up tenons. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Hey, everybody. It's show number 468 for April 22nd, 2020. On today's show, we're talking about sharpening. That's pretty exciting, huh? Uh, before we get to that, I'm just I'm waiting for the applause. That's cutting edge stuff. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for 65 years. Head over to rockler.com and check out the National Woodworking Month sale. The sale runs through the month of April, so don't miss it. I was listening to music. It sounds good. Mm-hmm. It's so peaceful and calming. Fine, I'll say my stupid thing. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of the show. This week, we have to thank Spencer Sims, ZVB Woodworks. I don't know. You could do it. You could do it, Matt. You could do it. And Duran. And Duran? Okay, that sounds good. That, I don't know. Greg Wallowee. Wallowee what? <laughs> Probably Wallaway. Wallaway? Alright. Wallaway. Greg Wallaway. <laughs> Have you, have you guys noticed that in some of the emails people are sending in, they're including pronunciation keys? Yes. <laughs> it actually happens way more what? than you would think. You don't want the free butchering service? Well, the Come funny thing, then there's also some people who say, here's how it's pronounced. Matt can pronounce it any way but that. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is when they give you the pronunciation and they spell it all out, and then their name is actually something like Jones. You know, like right. something that we already knew how to pronounce. It's like, <laughs> you're not the problem. <laughs> it's the guy with like 15 vowels in his name. That's the problem. Okay, well, let's get started with the show. Uh, let's see. So under our news area here, we've got a, a something that was sent in by Patrick. He says, a little something for what's new. Why did I put it in news? I don't know what's going on here. In case you guys, <laughs> in case you guys haven't seen this one yet, it's a video from, uh, I didn't do this. It was Shannon, actually. 
It's a video from Vietnam of a carved wooden Land Cruiser, a 2020 V8 Land Cruiser to be exact. I couldn't stop watching, but also kept asking myself, why? So we're going to put a link to this. You can watch the video and you can ask yourself why. I think, you know, sometimes people do stuff like this. They, they make these miniatures, models. They, they go like to an amazing level of accuracy and just because they can, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to do that when you have that much skill, you know, to be able to do it. So I think it's pretty cool. Go check it out. Hold on. I've got a, um, I got a little robot thing and Ava, thing again. do you hear that? Yeah. So Ava don't, turns don't play this with thing, your box. He, she turns this thing on all the time and then it sits, I'm like doing something important and I hear <laughs> behind me. I'm like, what the doing t- something important. Good joke. Good joke. <laughs> right. Listen, <laughs> you lost me there. <laughs> I have evidence that what we do is important because I got a, a tweet from who is it? Xfinity yesterday. That's right. Right? Because we had problems with, right. with the morning show. And they told me that they understand that this woodworking oh, content is really important to people right now. So uh, I think you should back off there, man. This is important stuff. Anyway, now that the robot is shoved into a drawer. Uh, so yeah, go check that video out. It's pretty darn good. Uh, so we're going to jump right into our main topic today. We wanted to discuss sharpening and uh Not so much a how-to, but reviewing our setups, what we do. Sometimes hearing what other woodworkers do is just a great way to learn, you know, how you might be able to improve your setup, potentially. Um, And, you know, I actually... I think an audio show telling people how to sharpen could be truly fascinating. (laughs) Use a lot of words like, hold it like this. And, and push it that way. (laughs) It's very, very helpful. Do like so. Until it looks like this. (laughs) And you're done. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So let's, let's try not to do that. Um, so maybe we'll just kind of go around here and talk about our, our various setups. Um, what I think I have tested a lot of different things out over the years. I've dipped my toes into all kinds of different sharpening systems. Um, but I seem to always go back to a one that just works really well for me. It's Shapton Waterstones. And I typically use the 1000, 5000 and 8000. And then I have some kind of honing guide. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'll freehand sharpen if a tool doesn't allow me to use a guide, but I really like to zone out when I sharpen. That typically means honestly, sometimes taking my eyes off the work. So I will have an iPad set up or a TV on and I'll just kind of glance back and forth. So the honing guide allows me to do that. And it really allows me to shut my brain off (laughs) in a very fun way, uh, and still actually get these things sharp without cutting myself. So, um, I usually wind up having some kind of a honing guide. And that is something that I've been skipping around and trying different things. I've tried uh, the Lee Valley honing guide. I've tried, oh shoot, um, Lee Nielsen's honing guide. The traditional, is it Nicholson that makes that little, the the most inexpensive one? Something like that. The little gray one. Eclipse? Eclipse. Eclipse. Actually, okay, Eclipse. And there's like 20 different knockoff versions of that that you could probably find on Amazon. Uh, and I have also, I was sent the woodpeckers unit. That's not something I would have purchased, but they sent me one for like review and to take a look at it. And I got to say, I'm pretty impressed with the accuracy on that one. Uh, one of the big problems a lot of these honing guides have is actually keeping the chisel square. So you'll, you'll do the honing and then you'll hold it up and, and put a square on it. And you realize this thing, you know, the chisel's not square anymore. It's a skew chisel now. It, it is now skewed. Uh, I mean, and if it's slight, who cares? But if it's, you know, 
significant and, and consistent from chisel to chisel, that's a problem. Uh, so I found the woodpecker's honing guide to actually be quite nice. Uh, so yeah, I use the Shapton stones. I've got, I do have some diamond stones. I use those for the lowest grits. If I need to correct a bevel or do some, you know, heavy duty, uh, stock removal, I will use my diamond stones for that. And then I have a, a diamond stone that I use as a flattening stone. So really low grit. Um, I think it, it is a DMT brand and I use that to keep those Shaptons nice and flat, uh, after every use. And I also have a, a strop that I felt pressured to buy because of <laughs> Shannon. <laughs> and it's a beautiful leather strop. And uh, sometimes I look at it and I go, yeah, that's cute. And, uh, and I always forget to use it. So uh, one, day, <laughs> one day I will actually put that thing to use. Because I, I mean, I, it's not that I don't agree with how useful they can be. I just don't use it. And that's, that's my problem. So, But I got a horse butt probably strop. probably be the next time Matt comes to visit. Yeah. Matt will use the well, strop. Like, the, these I think I did. These aren't sharp enough. When I was there. <laughs> yeah. Like it was so clean. I'm like, where's all the compound? Why is it not green? <laughs> why is this thing? I don't not, understand. Why doesn't it why is it a perfectly clean piece of leather? I don't understand <laughs> what's going on here. So yeah, that that about sums it up. I also do own a Tormek. Uh, uh I don't know why. I have one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well maybe I, there's a lot I want to get into, but before we do that, I want I want to hear what you guys use as your like Wait, go-to setup. Do, do you own a Tormek? Do you own the Jet? Water cool. I thing. used to have the jet and because I wasn't using oh. it, sold it. That that was back way back in Arizona. Um, and then I don't, sometimes stuff. So then you bought a Tormek and you don't know why. <laughs> no, no guys. Look, you guys know how it is. Sometimes things just show up at yeah, the house. You, you know how it is. You know how it is. <laughs> uh, wake up one morning. It's a Tormek. <laughs> there's a Tormek in my living room. I don't know how it got here, but it's here. So yeah, I mean, sometimes I, I don't ask for things, but they show up. So yes, I do have a Tormek. I did not buy that Tormek. Um, okay. But anyway, Tormek is great. But I, I, like I said, I want to get into like some of these systems and what we think of those. But I really want to hear your individual setups first. Sure. 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 Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind of like you, Mark, where I, I experimented with a bunch of different things, kind of always looking for that, you know, silver bullet cure to fix everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what I ended up finding was a lot of systems that worked really, really well on like this did chisels. Like I bought the WorkSharp system, you know, the little sandpaper spinny dealio. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <clears throat> that was great. Worked great for, for chisels. And, you know, you could have different grits on the paper and switch the wheel out. They even have a strop um, that you can use. But the whole idea of setting a plane blade on top of the wheel, it just it didn't work as well for me. And I shouldn't say that it worked OK. It was just so jiggery there was all these little things you had to bolt into place and move around and mm-hmm. i do understand that the the system has become a little bit improved i had like version one so of course things have have gotten a little bit better over the years but it it i ended up with like a work sharp to do my chisels and then like stones and the veritas honing guide for my plane blades and like then i'd have a carving gouge and all bets were off so it was like okay well now i need uh, a a grinding wheel so i too ended up with a tormac and I've, I've tried all of these things and they all do a really, really good job, but it was just so freaking complex. Mm-hmm. Like I was using a different system for every different tool. And in, in, in my shop, because I am hand tool focused, everything has to be sharpened all the time. And I've got a whole huge variety of edges that I need to, to address from curved gouges to draw knives, to axes, to plane blades, to chisels, to skew chisels you know, all kinds of different stuff. And let's not even talk about molding plane blades. Those are 
just ridiculous. So it just, I, I ended up kind of ditching all of it and just going back to stones, mm-hmm. specifically the diamond stones. Um, and I, I, I freehand everything because I discovered that those complex edges, there was no jig that would work for it. So I better learn how to freehand um, in order to sharpen some of those. And really, I, freehand sharpening, there's really no magic to it. I don't even really think it's particularly that difficult to master. It's just one of those things you just got to commit to. Mm-hmm. Um, try it, you know, nonstop. Go cold turkey from the guides and you'll be fine in like a week honestly. And, and that's, that's what happened to me. I was volunteering at the stepping stone museum, you know, and as a living history museum, we didn't have a Tormek over in the corner. <laughs> we did have a grinding wheel that you could pedal, but it hadn't seen any kind of water in like 17 centuries. Wow. So we were afraid that if we wet it, it might actually like break apart. So we just <laughs> sat over in the corner and looked pretty. Um, and I don't think I would want to use that to stone, to, to grind anything anyway. So I went whole hog into oil stones for about seven years, um, free-handed everything, um, all kinds of different edge shapes and sizes and things um, using oil stones. So I got a good exposure to oil. I've got a good exposure to just traditional water stones, Shapton stones, Shapton glass stones. And I landed on diamond just because so much of what I do with freehand is very much kind of in the same line on the stone. And that would wear a groove on a water stone so fast. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of kind of side to side sharpening, especially on my gouges and kind of rolling the gouge back and forth. And, and I would end up with, you know, hollow in my stone. I'd, I'd wear away two thirds of the stone, just flattening it out. So I went to diamond and uh, augmented with a strop and have pretty much been there for maybe four or five years now that I've just stuck to that one system. And, and sure enough, I feel like my sharpening has gotten better because I've been able to focus on just one thing you know, forget about just the space, you know, having to have, I have this big, huge sharpening thing with all these cabinets and things underneath it because at the time I needed a place to put the work sharp. I needed a place to put the Tormac. Mm-hmm. I needed to, you know, a place for my draw knife sharpening tool from Peter Galbert. And it was just, it was getting out of hand. It was ridiculous. So now it's basically two stones and a leather strap. That's it. There is something really nice about going back to simple, you know, Oh yeah. Wait, someone's getting a tattoo right now. <laughs> That's what that sounds like. Oh, the dryer's done. Oh, okay. It sounded yeah. like a, a tattoo machine. Nice. Well, you know, I have to keep it fresh over here. <laughs> Matt's, so, Matt's so bored. He's getting a tattoo in the middle of the show. I've got a cookie pen right here, you know, just <laughs> I hope it's the, it's the wood talk logo. That would, that would make me feel good. I mean, what else would it be? No, oh, it's, it's an important thing, Matt. So get it on your it's, skin. It's my zoom tat, you know? <laughs> that might be before some people's time yeah maybe all right what you got matt what's your system so the i guess the biggest thing for me is the stropping so just by maintaining an edge i'm not really sharpening per se as often mm-hmm. so actually grabbing the stones and going to town is not something i do a whole lot um so the strop is kind of the biggest thing for me to keep those edges nice and crisp and sharp and ready to go um, if they need some touch up, I've got some water stones, which I've been using for, I don't know, like five years, six years, something like that. I just, I enjoy the process of like the water stone experience. You know, you get to splash some water around and like, I don't know, it's just fun. Yeah. There's my tattoo again. Oh, okay. Outline is done. Now we're yeah. doing, doing some <laughs> color fill. Start okay. the fill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
too early for this. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> so if I <laughs> say so if I need to uh, refine it, eventually like the edges they'll fracture over enough time, enough wear, and no amount of stropping is really going to help get that serration out of there. So you have to go back to the stones at a certain point. I've got a combo stone, a 800 and a 4,000, I think, is the combo. And then I have an 8,000 uh, ceramic stone for honing. And then, actually, before I started making videos, I was freehand sharpening. And then, like, everyone else was using jigs. So I'm like, I guess I'll try these jig things. <laughs> so impressionable. So uh, I have the, 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 uh, the clips jig, probably one of the knockoff ones, which is fine. But what I really like, the jig I like a lot, is the uh, the Kel guide. It's got two wheels like on the outside of the jig. So for it's really great for chisels because it makes the platform so much wider so you can't rock as easily. Or it's yeah. actually pretty much impossible to rock a chisel back and forth. The, the downside to that is it makes the whole setup wider. So for plane, br- uh, plane blades, not so great because it's like it could get wider than the stone. And you're like, okay, well, now what do I do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But plain blades are pretty easy to, to sharpen because they have so much more bearing surface anyway. So it's not a, a huge deal. But for small chisels and things that would rock too easily, that, that guide is really nice. Um, What's the name of that one? Uh, Richard Kel. Kel. Okay. It's got like a few K-E-L-L, different... K-E-L-L, I think. Yeah. It's got a few different sizes. The one I have is a number two. It's got the big like plastic wheels on the sides. Okay. Um, it's pretty sweet. You know what's in, yeah, what, it's kind of cool looking. What's interesting when you have the wheels on the outside, the uh, woodpecker jig. What they did was made the wheels removable, oh, so sure. you could take them from the outside and position them on the inside to do something that's really wide. But you've now got enough, um, you know, surface area in the middle, both wheels in the center, uh, so you can get it on a smaller stone. That's it's kind a of a woodpecker innovation, right? Yeah, it is. It's a pain in the butt to have to move wheels around, but if yeah. if that's your thing and you're committed to the jig, you've got the option. So, and I also have. Have either of you guys used the new Lee Nielsen? I have it, and I haven't spent a whole lot of time with it. But they have. I guess it's not that new anymore. I've touched it. Well, and it's yeah. pretty much you know it's pretty much based off the the simplest one out there with different jaws, and obviously really really well made. Yeah. But no, I, I, I've used it at one of their hand tool events. It's it's pretty rock solid. Definitely, yeah. if I were to go back to a guide, I would probably pick that one up. And I've got a lot of uh, a lot of students who swear by it. Now, sometimes it's a, the simpler ones are really the most versatile. They don't do a whole lot. They're you know you just kind of clamp a piece in. Uh, pretty straightforward. It's uh, again like the woodpeckers is great, but it is a, it's a complicated system. It's like you look at this thing and you go, all of this for sharpening. Especially when, <laughs> when there's someone like Shannon who's freehanding most of the time, you got to look at that and go, what are you doing? Like, is this really worth it? But I don't know. Sometimes is it laziness or a lack of precision or lack of confidence in our uh, hands to be able to do it freehand? I don't know. I, I think, I, I think that answer is different for, for every person. I think what it usually comes down to is we talk ourselves out of it. Yeah. So how about different tools? So, um, do you guys do much in the way of lathe tools or carving tools, specialty type things like that? Um, the Tormac, the only reason that I still have the Tormac is because of lathe tools. Um, okay. There's just, and, and actually I'll be even more specific and say because of bowl gouges. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. The roughing gouge, that's easy. You know, skew, pretty easy. Just keep the bevels even. But the, the, the damn Ellsworth grind on that bowl gouge and then the I've got what, three bowl gouges, all with different grinds, you know, 
fancy special complex geometry that work great when sharp. And it's like, nah, <laughs> I got a jig on the Tormac that I can set it and forget it. And I've got rotisserie chicken for days when I'm done. Oh, baby. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, I just mixed infomercials there, didn't I? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's very confusing. Um, um, <clears throat> I, the, the Tormac is, is good for, you know, when, when you do actually need a grinder, um, you know, it is a grinder. It's slow because it's a water-cooled grinder. But, yeah, it's really, really nice for... Um, for turning tools, I understand they now have a a, a diamond wheel, yeah, which apparently yeah. is quite slick. It works really fast, so um, I have not. Uh, I'm still got the same old wheel that I've been using for eight years now, and it barely looks any smaller too. If you're worried about the the longevity of those things, sure. Yeah, I've actually got a. I think it's like a little. Is it Porter cable Delta? I don't know. It's like an old uh, variable speed grinder. And I have CBN wheels on them because that's what Ashley forced nice. me to buy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's, that's used for primarily, uh, turning tools when Ashley comes around and, uh, sharpening my lawnmower blade when she's not here. And then she gets mad at me because I do that. So it's all good. But the CBN wheels are actually really, really cool. And I've seen the stuff she's done with the 4040 grind using those two wheels. And it's just a standard grinder, uh, other than a platform. There's really no jigs to it, uh, just more of a right. freehand method. And, you know, you can't argue with the results that she gets with that stuff. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive. But the CBN wheels are an interesting technology. Yeah, see, I found a, a, an interesting transition. And this is typical, I think, from the power tool to hand tools anyway. I mean, you've got higher horsepower behind a power tool. So one, technically, you get away with a slightly duller blade. Mm -hmm. Technically, we, we all know that sometimes that's not the case, but um, I especially found this with lathes between an electric lathe and my foot powered lathes. What I thought was sharp um, for my electric lathe <laughs> is not sharp for my right, foot lathe. Yeah. And I have gotten really good at honing freehand turning tools um, just because I can't get the level of sharpness that I want off the grinder. And most turners will go straight from the grinder. Some of them I know do a little bit of honing, um, like diamond paddles, little, those little, um, handheld things. Mm -hmm. I bought them more than a decade ago for sharpening router bits because of all the times I sharpened my router bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was told I needed to have them to sharpen my router bits, <laughs> especially some of those cheap router bits. I had one sharpening and the carbide is the, the, the carbide spray on is gone. You know, it's just, <laughs> Um, but the, these, um, a lot of guys will then come back and do a quick hone or some of them will actually strop some of their, um, turning tools, but the large majority of them come straight from, you know, a CBN wheel or a Tormac wheel or something like that and go, you know, incredible turning. Cause you've got that high horsepower and torque and everything mm -hmm. and high speed steel <clears throat> behind the tool on a foot powered lathe. When you're talking one fifteenth horsepower and you know, the RPMs are, are, quite a bit lower. Uh, you've got to have the same level of sharpness you would have on a bench chisel with your, 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 um, skew chisel, roughing gouge or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's been a whole different thing. Plus I don't turn with a bowl gouge on a foot power lathe. I use a hook tool, which is a totally different beast that I couldn't even begin to figure out how I would sharpen that any other way, but freehand. So what are things that you don't sharpen? So uh, I, I, let's put this as things you would either throw out or send out to get sharpened elsewhere. Um, 
Matt, do you have anything in those categories? Anything carbide, I guess. Sure. Kind of falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm missing something obvious, but uh, well, you got the inserts. I guess you could sharpen those if you want to. You can, use, you can sharpen them technically on a diamond plate if sure. you really want to. Uh, table saw blades I'll send out. I'm not going to bother trying to sharpen those with like a little paddle. That sounds terrible. Uh, the thing they use in the picture to sell those items where it's always like they're sharpening the, you know, inside edge of a profile routing bit, you know, or something, yeah. something that, you know, you're absolutely well, not going to do. That's why I bought those stupid paddles, too. I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's a great idea. Right? No. <laughs> they're great for they're great for freehand honing turning tools. I'll tell you that much. Not so much for router bits. Some, someone recently asked in uh, uh, the, the morning show if I ever sharpen my spiral flush trim bits. <laughs> I was like, hmm. I don't even know how I would begin to do that with any level of success. I would, you know? you would send them out. That's what you would do. Yeah. I would either send them out or throw them out. Or you can buy, I mean, this is a little outside your league, I think, but you could buy the machine that does that. Like, <laughs> like a grinding machine. You think that's so. outside my league? Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't see myself doing that anytime this century. <laughs> <laughs> well, like a lot of, that sounds like I, something you would do, Matt. I only frankly. get exposed to it because I watch a lot of like the machining videos. Yeah, some people have those machines, like literally, because they have end mills for their their milling machines that they are literally spiral carbide cutters, not sure, carbide, sure. but they're high speed steel. So they have the grinding machine that literally puts that exact grind on a tool, so it, it's grinding and spinning the tool through the wheel at the same time mm-hmm. at whatever angle it's to be. But it's a cool machine to see. But yeah. If you're not like literally going through cutters like all the time, like it doesn't make absolutely no logical sense to yeah, do that. Yeah, it's not practical. Um, but, you know, I think the furthest I'd get into that is like the drill doctor. <laughs> that would be <laughs> that would be the furthest extent. The other thing I'm looking at it now. I was wondering if they're still around. They have the uh, drill doctor 750x. It's uh, 134 dollars on. So I Amazon. guess I, I'm. I think I freehand sharpen more than most people because I freehand sharpen drill bits too. Hmm. Yeah, and I used to freehand sharpen uh, bowl gouges. The okay. Ellsworth grind. I, I freehand sharpened that because I didn't have money to buy a jig, because that was that long ago. <laughs> so right. I only bought a jig because I'm like, this is kind of ugly looking. My bowl gouges have all these facets. Yeah. <laughs> See that um, that was actually one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the way Ashley sharpens her tools. They look awful. <laughs> but 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 she and she actually points that out. She's like, none of this here, none of this matters. There's like yeah. a thousand facets on there. All that matters is that last run right up at the cutting right. point. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same concept between a you know a chisel or a plane where it really only matters at the very uh, the meeting of those two planes. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it can look bad, but that doesn't mean that it's uh, not going to cut. You know, like a hot knife through butter. Butter butter. You know, can, can we, can we follow that tangent for a second? Cause I think that's an important, <laughs> an important misconception. Sure. I see this a lot. The whole idea of, you know, a mirror polish and the edge looking pretty. And I see so many people spending so much time lapping the back of a plane blade, for example, or mm-hmm. a chisel to this mirror polish and then getting the, the bevel to this <laughs> mirror polish. First of all, a mirror polish doesn't necessarily mean it's sharp. You can have a dull as dirt edge and a mirror polish. Yeah. Um, the bevel 
certainly there are geometry aspects to the bevel. You know, the steeper the bevel, the more durable the edge would be, the more chopping you can do on a chisel. The lower the bevel, the easier it's going to slice through wood, can be sometimes better in softer woods to have a low bevel, but it also makes for a fragile cutting edge because it's very thin steel out in the end. Mm -hmm. But the bevel, other than that, it does nothing. It does none of the cutting. The, the cutting is all right up at the very tip. So if you really wanted to have a mirror polish, if, if going with a mirror polish to you means, okay, this is now sharp, it's that visual cue, then okay. But all you need is that tiny little bit at the end. And I'm not necessarily talking about a micro bevel because since I freehand sharpen, I don't use micro bevels because it's really hard to feel a micro bevel on a stone. <laughs> don't use them. Tricky to reproduce. Um, or or if, if I do, because sometimes I do, it's so micro that I wipe it off the next time I sharpen like it's it's an um a unique micro bevel of of an undetermined angle that happens one time and then i go back to the stone and i set it on the bevel and i remove whatever little micro bevel that i just created but i will get the same thing anybody comes and actually looks in my tools or if i've taught in person they're like uh i kind of expected your tools to look prettier it's like <laughs> you know give me your hand let me cut you yeah. and i'll show you how effective it let, is let me shave you your know? face Let's try that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, bevels and facets and things on some of these tools. Now, occasionally, like Matt said, you know, eventually the strop, you've got to go back to a stone. And there's a reason that I have a hand crank grinder in my shop <laughs> because not because I'm like, Ooh, look at me. I'm old timey because little, I didn't want to buy a regular powered <laughs> grinder for the occasional times I need to go and reset a bevel. Um, so I do have a grinder when if there get to be too many bevels and the edge just gets to be too ratty, then I go and I hit the reset button on my Atari 2600 and I use the grinder. And now I've got a fresh, clean, not mirror polish, but then I'll hone whatever, whatever I want from there. It's, it's so crazy how people seem to think that the edge or the, the chisel, the bevel, whatever it is itself has to be this perfect you know, coplanar surface all the way across the edge, and it's just useless. It's a waste of time. Yeah. Hmm. In rant. Sorry. About this. Well, I've never, yeah. I don't think I've heard you this passionate about anything in a long time. Not, well, not since we talked sharpening about sharpening um, for me is not an event. It's not. <laughs> I don't stop to sharpen. I don't have a sharpening day. I just sharpen throughout the work, and it because of that sharpening for me is like a ten to fifteen second interlude. It's quick, take a break, run it over a strop, or maybe get so as involved to go to a stone for 30 more seconds, then back to the strop, and I'm back to work. And like Matt said, the more I sharpen, you know, you keep that edge up all the time, the less you actually sharpen. So every time I hear somebody having a sharpening day or, you know, what are you doing with this time during COVID-19? Well, I'm taking time to clean up my shop and sharpen all my tools. And it's like, well, aren't they already sharp? Like, <laughs> granted i've got tools that aren't sharp i've got tools that i don't use all that much and i've kind of neglected them and when it comes time to sharpen them maybe i'm going to need to take a little bit more time but the simplicity of things and how i sharpen means that again two minutes at most and then i'm, I'm, I'm back to work so yeah well, sorry i'm ranting no it's okay this, this I, I can actually represent the other side of that because i do have sharpening events um, and I think a lot of this comes from a, di it's a different method of woodworking. I think you put more stress and wear on your hand tools. So you have to be able to quickly sharpen. It's just like the turner who has the grinder right next to them. Um, because you need to, to quickly put an edge on that and get back to work. Um, for me, there may be a project that's a little more hand tool heavy than another project. 
Um, I may go to projects depending on what I'm making. If it's like a big, you know, a bunch of plywood projects, I may not touch my chisels at all. So there may be times uh-huh. where I go, I actually don't remember the state of sharpness that my hand tools are currently in. So it's just easier to say, let me block out a bunch of time and just put a fresh edge on everything so that the next time I need them, they're all ready. You know, so for someone like me, I totally, I, I know it was way smarter to just, you know, grab a, a strop and, and, uh, you know, just kind of freshen that edge as you go, or even right before you use every tool, you know, give it a little, a, a couple little licks on that strop. <laughs> Uh, but that's not how I do it. I, I, I don't know whether it's a, I was going to say that that's the key point. Is it actually smarter in your case? No, I don't think it is. I mean, and, and, and that's the, the point that will probably be misconstrued and I will probably get hate mail for this. I'm not <laughs> saying that my way is right. It is right for me. Um, but there are most definitely major paradigm shifts from a hand tool only shop to even a hybrid shop. Mm-hmm. And you're the perfect example, Mark, because you just don't know. Like I know how sharp my one inch chisel is because I used it like five minutes ago. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you may not have used it for six months. You know, it's like, well, if I'm going to get out the stone, I might as well go ahead and do you know, the half inch and the three eighths at the same time. Yep. Makes perfect sense. And in your case, so that's why I say, I, I don't know that it, saying it's smart or not smart. It's right for you. It's right. And, and that if, if anybody carries anything away from this episode and the maddening, frustrating thing about sharpening is the answer is always Yes. Like, do you prefer this guy to this guy? Yes. You know, it just depends on your situation and, you know, and you, and this is why it becomes such an impassioned religious debate online because everyone's right. Well, they are, they're all right. You all get a ribbon for participating. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, even down to the, the person who sort of doesn't like any of these jigs, doesn't bleed. You have to sharpen to 8,000, you know, like everything is more low key than that. They just use sandpaper. They just, you know, it's probably less than a thousand and they're getting great results. It's like anything, especially when we deal with, you know, a a thing that has a a high percentage of hobbyists uh, who tend to want to make things better just to make them better, you know, but you don't necessarily need to go so deep down this sharpening rabbit hole to get good, successful cuts with, with hand tools. It can be very simple. Um, I'm curious, this last question that we have on our list here is fantastic. What's one tool in your shop that you have never sharpened? And I, I, I got right away. I know my answer to this. I have a set of carving tools and because I don't use them very often, it's, it's one of those times where I go, I need to do this thing. Oh wait, I've got carving tools and I've got this one. That's okay. That's going to be perfect for, for wrapping around this corner. And then I use it for that. And then I don't touch it again. So I'm, I'm, I really am scared for the day that I pick that up and I go, Oh, this is too dull to use. What do I do now? <laughs> it's like, I'll throw it away and I'll go buy a new one or I'll, uh, I'll go, um, I'll call Mary May, see if she can <laughs> help me out. Um, so yeah, I would say my carving tools because carving tools are a little trickier. There's like those little, uh, conical slip stones and there's, there's all kinds of interesting things for sharpening carving tools. That is a world I have never delved into yet. I have a bent back gouge that I bought specifically for carving ball and claw feet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, really good at like the final like cleanup around the ball and the knuckles of a ball and claw foot. And that thing terrifies me. (laughs) Like (laughs) I have no idea. Like I have a couple of rat tail files that would fit it, but I'm not going to take a file to my carving gouge. Like (laughs) we're talking like chainsaw or like, yeah, chainsaw file file. 
Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, it would, it would work, <laughs> but it would, it would just murder the edge. And then I'd have to figure out how to hone that. So like, I mean, let's be fair. I think I've carved 12 ball and claw feet and one, two, three, four of them are sitting on the shelf in front of me. They're practice pieces. <laughs> so, sure. you know, it, it's not like I do a lot of ball and claw carving, but it was one of those things that I, I think it was fine woodworking, probably Phil Lowe's article. There was this gouge that was perfect for this particular thing. So I went out and I bought it and it, it is perfect for that particular aspect of the ball and claw. And it's like, okay, take as few cuts as possible. Cause I don't want to have to sharpen this thing. Yeah. No, no, there's, there's, and there's probably a few other chisels that I have like that, that I'm just kind of like, no, um, I have a complex molding plane that cuts, um, a crown molding mm-hmm. that, um, was given to me when I was working at the museum and it was already sharp and it's a really cool plane and I'm afraid to use it anymore because I don't want to have to sharpen it. <laughs> so it's now probably been in my shop for six years and I have never yeah. sharpened it. I've used it a couple of times, um, but I have never sharpened it. No, uh, hmm. all of my Japanese saws <laughs> and actually that, that goes to the, uh, that I won't sharpen that. I'll probably throw those out because <laughs> they're the uh, cheap you know ones. What? Yeah, they are. They can be replaced pretty easily, but yeah. you, you brought up another good one for me. I don't, do the saws, right? Every time yeah, you talk right. about sharpening saws on the show, I take a nap. I've Part never of me paid, dies. <laughs> yeah, I've never paid attention. So like Matt comes over, I've, I probably even told this story. He came over and tried to use my dovetail saw and I haven't used it in a while. But when I do, it's like, I don't, I don't do that many dovetails. A lot of times I'll make my initial cuts at the band saw and then fine tune everything with, with chisels and a coping saw at the, the workbench. He's trying to use my Lee Nielsen dovetail <laughs> saw and he's like, is this thing dull? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I bought it 10 years ago and I've never sharpened it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and even, I mean, I, that's probably my most used handsaw out of all of them, but I'm still, you know, just cranking away with this thing, but it's just got these little dull nubs on it. So, um, I've got it sitting on the side going, well, I got to get this thing sharpened at some point. So maybe can you guys give me a recommendation for where I could send that for a good sharpening? Cause I ain't going to do it. Lee Nielsen. <laughs> Do they actually do sharpening? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. Okay. Send it back to Lee Nielsen. They will sharpen it for you. I and I think they do it for a pretty good price too. I okay. Not exactly sure, but yeah. But but you cheap. know what I did? I went out and bought a new saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I'm the worst. I'm the worst with that. Because and, and then you used it. And you're like, holy crap! This thing cuts like knife through butter. Yeah. It was a what is it? The, is it Bearcat? Thing? Yeah. Okay. Amazing, yeah. amazing saw. Not to say that the Lee Nielsen isn't, but maybe it was 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, no, no, no offense to Brian, he makes great saws, but any saw would be amazing at this point, Mark. It's been 10 years dull. You know, go to Lowe's and buy one of the like cobalt saws and it's going to be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was pretty funny. So now I've got these two dovetail saws, but yeah, I, I think I'll do that. I'll send it back to Lee Nielsen and get it sharpened. Uh, all right, Matt, what do you have that's sitting around unsharpened? I think I can relate to uh, both these examples so far. So the carving tools, I have never sharpened, but I strop them. Mm-hmm. So that, that's my, my strategy is if I keep stropping them, I keep them sharp. Mm-hmm. In theory, I should never have to hit them with the stones. Hopefully. Well, I don't carve that much either. So, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure this, will, this, this, this strategy should last me at least another five years before I have to really worry. That's right. what I'm uh, counting on. Because I'm the same. There's just not that much carving that goes on. So yeah, just strop forever. Yeah. And then just buy new tools. Just Just follow Mark and buy new tools. (laughs) (laughs) As needed, you know, it'll be fun. 
Uh, the hand saws, I haven't sharpened those either, but I think it kind of ends up the same way as you, Mark, because I kind of get a new saw, yeah. and that takes care of the sharpening issue. Um, the one thing I'll, I'll add to this is my bandsaw mill blades. I've never sharpened those or had them sharpened. I just buy new ones because I'm too lazy to box them up and send them out, and I don't have room or the desire to buy all the sharpening stuff for it. So how would the, um, the, the pricing proposition work out for something like that? Like the, the cost new, like with a router bit for me, yeah. <clears throat> it's always easier. And I think it's not that much more expensive to just buy the new bit than to find someone that I trust who can sharpen this thing for me. Um, so with the bandsaw blades, if you were to send that out for sharpening, what does that cost compared to purchasing a new one? It nets about half price. Okay. Kinda. The, it's the, the shipping is where they get you or where it really gets you because yeah. the actual sharpening service for the band is like eight ten dollars okay but if you send like five of them in it's probably like 60 bucks shipping round trip yeah, probably shipping's the killer so now you're up like 20 bucks or so <clears throat> so how much are the blades you, themselves to buy them new 48 dollars okay and the, what's the length again uh 25 foot 10 25 foot. why is that so cheap that's, that's how cheap they are. But why? That's why what's is that so crazy much cheaper to me? <laughs> than well, like a rinky dink bandsaw blade that I put on, you know, my bandsaw. Probably because, you know, demand and inventorying things. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I they're they're all these these shops that buy them on a big coil, they pull off twenty five foot ten, chop mm-hmm. it, weld it back together, and you're done. So yeah. interesting. They're not they're not it's inventorying so them. They don't the make them ahead of time. Have. Well, because yeah. we had a we had an, an upright um, resaw bandsaw at the mill for years when I first started. And that sucker was so expensive to resharpen. Like, and mm-hmm. it was a big, big blade, not long, but the thick blade. And it, it had carbide yeah. braised on it. Like, like, you know, like the resaw King, oh, sure. but this was yep, the yep. industrial version of the resaw King. And that was like in like four or $500 to get it resharpened. Um, so yeah, we, nice. we always had like 10 blades on hand. Um, and then they would ship out like five or six of them and you had to make like a plywood crate to put these things in and they <laughs> weighed a bloody ton per blade. Um, and they weren't nearly as big as the, the blade that's on your bandsaw mill. Now we have a horizontal like you, Matt. Um, yeah. and it's the same thing. Like, I think it's a high speed steel blade and it's like, they're practically disposable. Um, in fact, I, th- I think they are. I'm not exactly sure. I do think, I think they're gathering dust in a corner. Somebody's thinking one day we might resharpen them. But I've, I've got a whole stack of them in my shed. I'm like, how am I going to do it? So actually what I end up doing is someone who built one of my sawmills is like, I want to try sharpening them. He bought the sharpening stuff. He's like, do you want to send me some of your crap blades so I can practice with them? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So like I went through the whole process of like coiling them up, fitting them in a box, like printing a label and get it out, out of there. I'm like, yeah, this, this definitely like reinstills the fact that I have no desire to do this for real. <laughs> It's just a pain in the butt. It must oh, help as well that what you're sawing is wet wood, too. I mean, obviously, if you run across a bullet or a nail or things like that, but even then, you know. That's that's why the two is like a lot of times we're like, I'm hitting stuff, so the blade is pretty much not all that salvageable at that point. Right. You can still sharpen it and use it to cut small stuff, but it will never cut a, a wide log ever again. But they're so cheap. The cost proposition for me is the fact that they're so dirt cheap to buy new ones. I know they're going to work perfectly and be flawless out of the box. 
I don't have to worry about someone who would like didn't sharpen it fully or didn't set it fully either. So that's the other thing like of like sharpening your own blades too. Is like, do you want to like first of all, anyone who had like manually sharpens these things is out of their damn mind. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta sit there and you gotta like every single tooth, advance it, blah blah blah. And probably like every other time you use the blade, you gotta reset it. So now you're actually like setting literally every single tooth. Uh, that sounds terrible as well. Yeah. So you really, if you're going to do it, you got to get the automatic ones. They just put the blade in and you walk away and it's doing its own thing. But then you're like, okay, I just spent like four grand on the sharpening equipment. And how many blades I got to sharpen to pay for this thing versus me just, I don't know, buying a new one. Yeah. yeah. I go through like 15 blades a year. There's not that much. Yeah. Sometimes it just makes more sense. Nothing wrong with that. I just don't care. So, hey, hey, do you guys know uh, who also knows a thing or two about sharpening? Mm, not us. <laughs> nope. Do you, do you know, not us. You know who likes to keep things sharp? I'm going to say Rockler. Yeah, Rockler. <laughs> yes, I got one right. <clears throat> Good job, man. So Rockler is actually really great for sharpening supplies. They've got all kinds of gear and accessories that you could choose from. Uh, if you're just starting out, we kind of alluded to some of the sandpaper sharpening methods. There's a thing called scary sharp. I don't know who invented that term, who coined that term, but it is a system that involves Wasn't that using Richard scary. He did the Berenstein bears <laughs> and I think then so, he yeah. did the sharpening method. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Richard scary and uh, Daniel sharp together made this. So you basically take uh, like sandpaper, automotive sandpaper, the, the, the grayish black material, and you put that down on a piece of plate glass and that is your sharpening medium and it's disposable. Once the sandpaper is chewed up, then you replace it with new sandpaper. Uh, so they actually have a plate glass sharpening system and you can get that all in one shot here. I think it's 30, 39 bucks. So for 40 bucks, if you're just getting started, you don't know. I mean, you've heard us mention a bunch of different sharpening mediums, water stones, there's oil stones, there's, uh, you know, diamond stones. You don't know what you want to do. You don't want to sink the money just yet. You can get started pretty inexpensively, 40 bucks. You got yourself plate glass and some, some sandpaper and you can get your tools just as sharp as our tools without jumping into a system. Well, that is a system. It's just not as expensive. <laughs> you could do this for the rest of your woodworking career and be perfectly fine with it. Right. Uh. <laughs> it also, if I'm not mistaken, comes with one of the little, uh, eclipse guides as well. Oh, really? For 40 bucks. Yeah. 40 bucks. That's not a bad deal. So uh, that Dang. is definitely something to check out. Uh, if you want to do uh, more work with your grinder, we talked about CBN wheels. That's cubic boron nitride. Uh, they are incredibly hard. They're uh, actually require no water, no truing. There's no readjustment because the wheels not, you know, it's not getting smaller over time. Uh, so they have a new line. What is it? Spartan, I think is the brand. Shoot. I just closed out. my. <laughs> I had a tab. <laughs> I went to switch the, the, the tab and I closed it instead. <clears throat> excuse me, but um, you'll want to check out the CBN wheels. Those are fantastic. Uh, Rockler also carries a wide variety of power sharpening systems. We talked about some of those. WorkSharp, Rikon. Is it is the company Record? Is it Record or Record? When you, record. When, is it Record? I think so, yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, the, the Brits. Record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they also have Tormek. And if you really want to get into like a automated grinding wheels, slow grinding, wet wheel sort of system. Tormek is pretty amazing. Um, I, I said before that I have one and I don't use it, 
because of my desire for simplicity. But the Tormek system, what it can do if you really deep dive into that is pretty darn amazing. So they've got that. You have to admire all the jigs. The jigs are very ingenious. Like anything you want to sharpen, they'll have a way to sharpen it from pocket knives to shears to scissors, like anything you could think of with an edge. Uh, Sharpen my wit. Well, where's the jig for that? No, you're too dull. Too dull. (laughs) Oh, sometimes it's better to just replace them. (laughs) You know what happened? Uh, Vanderlist's wit got dull and we replaced them with a new one. So (laughs) that's what happens. Have you you seen his, his, uh, spring break trip? Oh my God. That's awesome. It's It's like the best thing he's literally ever done. No, (laughs) no. What did I miss? No, you just got to oh. go look, Facebook or Instagram, look up Matt and, and he, Matt, the principal is he promised Aiden a killer senior year spring break, but of course we're all <laughs> under quarantine right now. So it's just go, just go look at it. It's fantastic. <laughs> that sounds good. It, it has brought me so much joy. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Matching t-shirts and all. It's great. That's awesome. All right. Well, if you want to go check out more of what Rockler has, go to rockler.com slash sharpening. And I've, I've done that. There is a quite a variety of things. I mean, we talked about the little, uh, what do you call it? The little diamond plates on a stick <laughs> that we talked about for <laughs> sharpening different things. Uh, they've got, they've got that stuff, all of the, the system approaches, uh, and, and everything down to grinding wheels. Norton makes some really cool stone wheels you could put on your grinder, uh, that are pretty nice. They've got those too. So go check them out. Rockler.com slash sharpening. All right. Last thing we have here is a little bit of feedback also known as kickback. Uh, first one here is from Brian in New York city. We asked for a little bit of feedback on folks who, you know, just in terms of how the coronavirus is affecting their woodworking. Well, Brian is a nurse in New York city. I think he's affected, um, by this. So, uh, let's hear what he has to say. Hey guys, uh, Brian from New York city. You had asked for how the COVID crisis is impacting time in the workshop. Uh, I'm a nurse anesthetist, a healthcare worker um, on the front lines, and we are really getting slammed here in New York. So my time in the shop has become uh, like way more precious to me. It's in some ways harder for me to get into the shop right now, but uh, I find that I need it more than ever. So I am uh, actually spending more time in the shop, even though it's more difficult for me to get in here, just in between shifts whenever I get a chance. Because uh, I need the break, and I'm getting that relief and that break um, by just making, you know, shavings. So, hope everybody stays safe, um, and uh, thanks a lot. Woodworking is therapy. Not the first yeah. time I've heard that. But uh, yeah, thank you, Brian, for everything you're doing out there. That's uh, it's it's crazy stuff. Um, who do you have here next? Shen, you're up. Um, <clears throat> this is from Rick. He says, I am a full-time Rick. registered nurse in Connecticut and a part-time woodworker. I recently got caught up on your show and have a comment about dust collection and the use of face masks. As you know, there's a dire shortage of masks. You spoke of wearing masks during your show on how to protect yourselves from the dust. This is a great idea and best practice. Given our current situation, I propose that all woodworkers wear the homemade masks that people are making and save the respirator-type masks for the healthcare professionals on the front lines of this pandemic. The homemade cloth masks that people are making do not protect against COVID coronavirus. I believe the homemade cloth masks will keep most of the dust out of your airway until this is over, and encourage people to buy these masks rather than the N95 or surgical masks. Thank you, and keep doing what you do. So there we go. 
Very good point. Well, I think the funny, not funny, but the odd thing is when we have that discussion about safety and dust collection, we go to our sort of go-to advice on these things without necessarily considering the current crisis. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't even in my mind. I'm thinking about a respirator that I've owned for years. And so I'm mm-hmm. saying, yeah, just put on your respirator. Not thinking in my head that this also might encourage a new woodworker to go out and buy a respirator for their needs at a time. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Can they even buy it I was going to say, good luck with that. I don't know. I doubt it. If you look on Amazon and you search for like 3M respirator, the 6,500, it, you can't even buy it. It says right under there reserved or something for the, the uh, COVID-19 health workers or something like that. So uh, at a time like now, it's, you know, don't buy anything. Yeah. Just use, use what you've got or, you know, come up with a homemade solution. Uh, I have kind done. of a funny story relating to this because okay. Mark and I, before the show started, were talking about not being able to get supplies or projects because you can't, can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going to do a turning video. And I'm like, last time I like was cleaning my shop, I threw my flight, my face shield away because it was all scratched and beat up. I'm like, okay, when I do a turning thing again, I was buying you face shield. <laughs> yeah, okay, I can't, I can't do a turning video. Well, I can, uh, maybe I'll do it and get a bunch of safety comments, but I'll talk about how like I'm being like, I'm sticking it to like the, the healthcare system and like giving them what they really need by not trying to buy a face shield. Right sure, now. spin it that way. That'll be fine. <laughs> That's tr- That's spin man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that reminds awesome. me, I need a new face shield. I can't even see out of mine. It's so scratched that's, up. That's why I threw the other one away. I'm like, I'll just buy a new one whenever I need it. Yeah, they're always available. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, ah, it's no problem. I'll get on Amazon. I'll have it here the next day, whatever. Yeah. Oh. Well, <laughs> I actually had a total of three respirators in the shop and, <clears throat> excuse me, gave two of them away to uh, local, per- I don't even know who they went to, but it was a local healthcare center that said that they could actually use them. Um, I did keep one for myself because I'm like, here's the problem. I want to be generous about this and I want to share the ones I don't need, but I also have to woodwork for who knows how many months before I can get another one. You know, and at first I was thinking, ah, I'll give them mine too. But I was like, actually, I don't know how long this is going to take for things to return to a point where I feel comfortable buying one that could have been, you know, used for someone else. So I did actually like perhaps a little bit selfishly kept one, but gave the other two away. Uh, I'll tell you this, I did exactly the same thing. I kept one for myself. I gave away my other ones. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, we may be potentially working for a long time, you know, without protection if we gave those away, which I don't think is what other people would want us to do. You know what I mean? To put, to put ourselves in danger yeah. because of but that. So the ones that are just sitting in a drawer that I haven't used in yeah. however long and I probably won't ever good time to clean up the shop. For right. a good purpose, good yeah. cause. So yeah. for, for karmic balance, I did give away my respirator because my respirator does just sit in the corner of the shop. All right. I, I you're, put you're it on. You're a handful woodworker. So. <laughs> I put it on when I empty the dust collector, basically. That's right. what yeah. it gets used for. So yeah, I figured. Nothing wrong and with I, that. I handed it to someone who works at a local hospital. Well, I yeah. didn't hand it to them. I set it down on the ground and backed away 10 feet. And then- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jay got a little upset that I gave his away. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, look, number one, I bought it. Number two, <laughs> number two, your butt ain't going to be working for months I anyway. Love, oh, I love you that. Don't, number so, one, I bought it. <laughs> hasn't so he you ever don't heard, need it. Hasn't he ever heard of buddy breathing? I mean, just right. hold your breath and oh, then man. you take it off and give it to him and then he can yeah, breathe just and like, you hold your just breath. Just like scuba diving, right? Yeah. yeah. I can't wait till you give away his capex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can do that because number one, I bought it. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. <laughs> Healthcare workers need those two now too, don't they? 
Isn't that a big thing? Respirators and Capex. And Capexes, yeah. <laughs> well, I think they if they're woodworkers, they deserve a new Capex when this is all done. <laughs> Let's start a fund. Supply them all oh. with Capexes. Oh man. Is that it was a plural of Capex? Capexes? Is like is that like Lego? Yeah, I mean multiple <laughs> Capex. Capex. I don't know. Capex. Good question. That's it. Capexin? Capexin. Capexi. Like oxen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What do you got? Uh, Matt, you're the next one, I think. This is from Robin. Uh, it says, in response to your last episode on outdoor finishes, it's more about reapplying the finish regularly versus what type of finish you use. Ask a boat owner who has, a, who has wood on their boat about the annual maintenance on their wood. Hmm. <laughs> Childish giggle. I could see the point there, but at the same time, it does matter what finish you use because a lot of us who make outdoor furniture are not boating and we don't have a single boat to be concerned about. We have multiple pieces of furniture and we don't necessarily want to be out there every year. So some finishes can go more than one season before they need that refresh. So I think it makes a huge difference which finish you choose. But I think the message here is if you build something outdoors it is unless you're going for the, um, you know, the weathered gray, you've got some good quality teak or something out there that will hold up in spite of a lack of finish. Uh, you really do need to maintain that piece. It's not a set it and forget it sort of thing. Yeah, it will fail. See, in, in response to Robin, I always wonder, like boat owners, yes, they redo it every year, but they also choose like the hardest finish possible to maintain. Like, yeah. You know, it has to be stripped and reapplied. Like they don't choose a finish that can just be reapplied. Reapplication means stripping and reapplying. I mean, I, I suppose varnish probably would stand up best in the short term over any of them. So that's why it gets chosen. But yeah, what a Is royal pain in the, you know, generally what? A, like a more harsh environment, like yeah. being constant exposure. Below. It's like, there's like no shade probably ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like. I guess it depends where you have your boat, but if it's like in salt water, would that affect the finish lasting? Can't imagine salt. it's anything good. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not doing any favors. Uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose that the stripping is kind of easier because by the end of the year, it's already peeling and cracking off anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> but, yeah. it's like uh, after your sunburn, you know, you just start pulling your skin things off. Yeah. Well, do they nice. need to go all the way down? I mean, I imagine eventually they do, but I would think from year to year, you might be able to just give it like a light cleaning and a sanding and hit it with a fresh coat as opposed to completely stripping yet, down. Yeah. Know. Tell I us boat, boat, boat people. Tell us what you do. Cause there's, and there's two different levels, right? So there's like, <laughs> what, the, do? what do they call it? The bright work, which is like the railings and things mm-hmm. that are, uh, you know, above the water line. And then there's the actual, the boat itself that's below the water line. Um, I'm, I would love to know more about the maintenance process on that and how often and what you have to do. I love how you know all the terminology already. It's well, impressive. you know, I have a uh, a long history on the sea, Matt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my parents forced me to go on a cruise once. The Sea of Denver. <laughs> <laughs> all the way to, to Bermuda or Mexico. Yeah. I don't know where we went. Atlantic City, New Jersey. All the way to Atlantic City. <laughs> <laughs> and the boat was a, was a car and we drove yeah. there. So, all right. Well, I think that, uh, does that wrap it up? I think it does. Hey, remember... We're sponsored by Rockler. Rockler is a family-owned business since 1954. They're your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, new kitchen cabinets, or you're stripping and refinishing a boat, 
Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. Hooray, Rockler! Yay! So this show is kind of formulated around your questions or your topic suggestions, so send them to us. We want to know what's on your mind. We want to know all the things that you need to know in your shop. So send those questions to either the contact form on woodtalkshow.com or you can hit us up via Instagram. You can find us there at woodtalkshow. You can even record a voicemail like uh, was it Brian this week. Thank you, Brian, yeah. by the way. And you can email that to us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. And then, of course, if you just don't want to deal with these other two yahoos and talk to me directly, you can find me on Instagram at Renaissance Woodworker and vice versa, Matt Cremona and Wood Whisperer if you don't want to talk to me because that happens a lot, too. So that's it. From a social homework, we want to see your sharpening setup. Show us your sharpening station. What kind of cool built-in... You know, sink do you have with a zen like Japanese flowing water flowing? You're talking about stones. William Ng, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, <laughs> I think Vic Hubbard has that as well. Yeah, his sharpening pond is is something to behold. Yes. Do you have koi in your sharpening pond or not? We want to see it. Send us a picture on Instagram and tag it. Wood Talk four sixty eight. Hashtag koi loves swarf. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Maybe those little and we fish that eat you. the skin off your feet. I don't know. Put those in. Yeah. They might eat it. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Bye bye. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.